Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's up, guys? Welcome into the Auburn, Li- Auburn Live Recruiting Show, man. My name is Zach McKinnell, taking the place of Jeffrey Lee, who's down in Hawaii, skipping out on the recruiting show, but for a good reason, man. He's joined by Jay Head, Cole Pinkston. How you guys doing? Man, if I was doing any better, I'd be twins, man. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Brother, there's only one way I can start this show. How about you? <laughs> Perfect, How about you, everybody? How about you? <laughs> it's, it's the Keith on him. But, man, we had a big commitment since the last recruiting show. Three-star Malik Blockton commits to commits to Auburn. Cole, I want to start with you. How big of a pickup was this for Auburn in this cycle? Well, you know, me and Jay Head, we've talked about him several times, man. I mean, he's been on the radar. I think one thing that's important to keep in mind with Malik is that he has been an Auburn target since before his brother was even at Auburn. When Marcus was still at Kansas, Malik had already been, you know, courted by Auburn staff. I'm not going to say he was offered yet, but he was at least on the radar, right? I mean, he's since he was a younger guy, he's had that frame where you go, all right, he's 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 someone we have to watch because he looks like he's going to be big time college defensive lineman, and he's grown into that frame as well as you as you hoped, as well as coaches hoped. He looks good, man. Uh, I, I was at his announcement ceremony. Everybody was joking on me for the YouTube channel. Uh, I did get it to work, though. <laughs> I just didn't have you enough hands. You did. I, I couldn't get it posted. The link, I couldn't get it, you know, it, whatever. It worked. We had enough people watching it. So, um, But, yeah, he, he looks good. He's he slammed up a good bit. He's got that 6'4 frame, which if you look at him and Marcus side by side, you go, you know, Malik's just a bigger person than him. Yeah. He's just bigger. And, and – and, Marcus has put on a lot of weight, but he, he looks good at his size. But you look at Malik and go, now his frame, can, I mean, he can really get up there. And he can still move at that size. Not a twitchy guy. Sometimes, you know, we throw that word around a lot. You want a twitchy guy on defense, but if he's an interior guy, as long as he's got enough power, it doesn't really matter. And I think Malik does. I think he's he's got a build on that with technique. But his power is fantastic. I mean, he's not going to have a problem exploding from his hips. He knows how to play it. He knows how to use his hands pretty well. I think the best football is ahead of him. That's what I wrote on him, and I think I really do. He's got some ways to go, but down the line, he could be excellent for Auburn. I agree. Jay, what, yeah, your thoughts on it? Sure. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to cut you off. Sad. No, you're good. I think you're spot on. I think his best football is absolutely in front of him, Cole. He's one of those kind of guys. He's not a Derrick Brown that's ready to play right away, right? Like, he's not going to come in and be an instant impact type player. But Auburn has a history of guys that have redshirted, sat one, two years, kind of gone through that growth and development process and come out on the other end of it being exceptional football players. Um, so Derrick Marks is a guy that comes to mind as a guy that redshirted, really let his body develop, and then was just a terror on the interior. Now, I don't see that kind of pass rush skill set from Malik just yet. But I do think he's a versatile guy. I think he's a guy right now that could probably give you snaps at the five, slide inside to the three as he continues to develop um, and add weight and size to his uh, to his frame. 
maybe it can even give you snaps at the, at the one or even the zero contingent on the kind of front that you're in. If you're going to be in a lighter front, some kind of a pass rush set or something of that nature, but definitely a guy that could slide inside and play the three or the four eye. Um, and like you said, strong hands is what you see with him on tape. Now he doesn't have like, when I talk about strong hands and I talk about upper echelon, Marlon Davidson is the guy. Every time you watched him, he had such violent hands. Yeah. He's not of that caliber, but you can see the power he plays with those heavy hands that he has um, and, and really like what his growth and development could be in two, three years down the line. I absolutely think he could be a starter. And you're right about the frame. When you yeah. see him and Marcus, the height differential, because Marcus is a legitimate 6'2". It's not like he's short. No, and he's actually not. I mean, he's not small, Marcus. He's not undersized. He's just not on the bigger side of things. But but Malik is bigger than him. Definitely. And look how much Marcus developed. You know, coming out of high school, I think out of um, oh Park Crossing is where he yeah. came out of high school at. I think he was six two and a half, two hundred and fifty pounds, two hundred and forty pounds, and now he's every bit of six two two ninety. Well, if Malik can do half of that at his size, he's every bit of 6'3", almost 6'4", 270 right now. Yeah. Add 30 pounds to him and look what you're going to have. Um, yep. Probably a guy like Kobe Wooden who can play inside and out. And, and I wouldn't comp his skill set exactly to Kobe Wooden's, but I think he's a guy that has that kind of versatility to his game. Yeah, the the uh, the comp I gave him was Andrew Williams. If you remember Andrew Williams, yeah. um, 2017, he was on that 2017 team. When Marlon Davidson and Derrick Brown were so good, Andrew Williams was the backup guy. But you didn't lose much when he came in the game. And, and, and he was a guy that was, you know, 6'5", 290 in that yeah. range. But he came in about 250. Yeah. And, and Malik is probably 265, 270 right now. I really see their frames being similar. And I see their, you know, their production and the way they're used being similar. I don't know if Malik's ever going to be that, that number one guy on your defensive line. But if you look at Auburn right now, and they just had to go to the portal to get all these guys, you know, the question is how much depth do they have on the defensive line? Mm-hmm. When you have a guy like Malik Blockton and you're, and you're slowly building on that defensive line, you know, having a guy like him coming in and maybe playing 30 snaps a game, you got something there. I mean, that's, how, that's how good it was. Even though Derrick Brown and Marlon Davidson were so good on that defense, Andrew Williams made them that much better. Absolutely, because they could play fresh, right? You Because, yeah. you, like you said, you were not worried to rotate him in for a solid 35, 40 snaps a game, even if you had to play him that much. Right. Contingent on, you know, what offense you were playing against. But that is, you are absolutely right. And that's, to me, that's probably the issue with the front that we're going to have this year is do we have the depth that we need in place, the rotational depth, to be effective, you know, one through six, not necessarily – you know, your first two that you're trotting out there, but do you have three, four, five guys that you can rotate, six guys, you know, through three different positions that you can rotate on the defensive front outside of your jack linebacker position? And I'm with you, Cole. I think he – top end, he's an SEC starter. Low end, he's a heavy rotational piece for you and somebody that's going to get, you know, a a nice majority of snaps. So really good pickup for us from that standpoint. I know people are going to get caught up on because we know the board sometimes they see the stars and get caught up in that and want the big names. But people forgot to got to remember that with Georgia and Alabama, what made their D line so good, they had the stars, the Jordan Davises, to whoever you want to put up there. But when they rotated eight guys in, that's what made them so potent is in the second quarter when that second unit was in there, there wasn't a big drop off. And I think that's something that 
Malik could really add to Auburn's defensive line for sure. And that's something I don't know if we've had maybe the past few seasons. Yeah. I'll tell you something else about Malik that I really like. Um, as long as I've been working it on three and going to Auburn games to cover recruiting, that guy's been there. Yeah. <laughs> He's been in every Auburn game. As many or more than I've been to, right? So he's an Auburn guy. I mean, I think I think Texas really gave him something to think about because they need defensive linemen so bad, and he wants to play. Mm-hmm. But he was willing to sacrifice possibly because he knows Auburn's going to go to the portal on the defensive line. Sure. They're going to. They had good success, or at least we think, with Justin Rogers, with uh, Mosiah Nasili Kite. We think those guys are going to be good. You know, um, Jalen McLeod. So they're going to go back and try to get some studs like that again. He was a, he was willing to sacrifice maybe playing, you know, key rotation guy as a freshman at Texas to be at Auburn. I think that's important. Yeah, um, Cole. To fi- kind of wrap this up, look with Blockton now in the class. What is left for Auburn, all in terms of defensive linemen still on the board for twenty twenty four? Well, um, you got T.J. Lindsey, who is now at IMG Academy. He's from Bryan, Arkansas. Four star guy. Uh, industry rating, four-star. He's not a four-star with on three, but uh, when you bring everything together, he is a four-star. So this is a guy, to me, I saw him in person, man. I was not expecting his frame to be as good as it was. And I don't know if Auburn was either because they hadn't seen him in a while. They only really watched his film before they got him on campus. But Auburn was blown away, and I was blown away, and I was like, man, that guy, I mean, he looks like a he looks like a D1 starter on the D-line. Mm-hmm. Whether or not his skill set is to that point yet, you know that guy has a, a high ceiling, and he plays hard. His film is not bad at all. Um, again, technical issues he's going to work through. He's going to IMG. You know they're going to fix some things over there. Competition will bring him up some. So uh, T.J. Lindsey, that's, that's another Auburn-Texas battle for a defensive lineman. And these are, again, Auburn and Texas are, I'm not going to say desperate for defensive linemen, but that is one of the biggest needs on both of their teams for this cycle. So, you're going to get in a couple battles with them, and this is a tough one. Right now, I I put it on the board on the corner last night, that, and so did Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Even though T.J. Lindsay is now not going to be able to make it to Big Cat Weekend, we're hearing good things on Auburn's yeah. side. Yeah, Sounds like Auburn's making some, some progress there and could have a chance to land him over Texas. Now, I'm t- that would be huge, especially when you're – because, I mean, we looked at the D-line board a couple of weeks ago and we're going, hmm. Just not a lot of names there, you know? Uh, so, yeah, getting him would be good. What, what are your thoughts on Lindsey, J-Head? I love it. And, of course, you know, we started hearing things, good things, probably about three weeks back. We had heard, okay, the Auburn and Texas official visits really kind of set the tone for Lindsey's recruitment, and we felt like those kind of those two teams were kind of pulling away. And since then, he's done multiple interviews with national guys, local guys, where he's kind of alluded to that. Now, Texas A&M and Miami are obviously in the mix for him as well, and you can't discount those. As we don't know exactly when T.J. Lindsey's recruitment is going to wrap, when he's going to decide to make a decision. Um, but I like our, our position there. I, I'm with you guys on that from what I've heard. Um, it's definitely neck and neck with Texas. I, I feel comfortable saying that. Maybe slightly to us, maybe slightly to them, contingent yeah. on who I talk to. Um, but definitely in the top two there. And very tight, but love his frame. That, that's the thing that jumps off to me is his frame. Because um, you're talking about a guy that's 6'4", 260-ish, maybe 270, 
could play, again, a guy that can give you a vertical pass rush from the interior. He can play inside or out. And those are the kind of guys that they're looking for in this class, right? It, it does not feel like they're looking for a big nose guard in this class. They're looking for interior guys yep. that have versatility to their game that can create negative plays. And T.J. Lindsay is another one of those. And now who I'm really interested to hear about is the guy that you just interviewed from down there in Broward County. Yeah. Um, a, a guy, I, I took a look at his tape after you posted him, and he's an SEC guy. Now, is mm-hmm. he, you know, a bona fide four or five star at this point? No, I, I'm not going to say that, but he's – He's got SEC-type tape. He's got SEC offers. He's an SEC guy. And so I'd love to hear your thoughts on him. Yeah, Demetri Nicholas um, plays – I don't. I guess he doesn't play directly under Junior Rosegreen, but Junior Rosegreen is a coach on the staff at his school, and I can't remember what it's called, Mon, Monsignor or something like that. I can't remember. Gotcha. Um, but, yeah, man, I talked to him last night on the phone. I, I got the impression that he is pretty high on Auburn already. And he's going to be at Big Cat Weekend. He likes Jeremy Garrett. He says Junior Rosegreen talks Auburn up. And we, if you've ever met Junior Rosegreen, and I have several times now at, at football games and, and different events, I don't know if there's anybody more passionate about Auburn. Maybe Takeo Spikes. Maybe. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a big maybe because Junior Rosegreen, is, he's Auburn through and through. I mean, it's it's like you got Takeo Spikes, Junior Rosegreen, and Barkley. And they, there's – and you could probably throw Bo in there as people that are just like through and through Auburn. It never left them. They still love it like they were, they're going to school there at the time. Man, I, he, he's really talked to Auburn to Dimitri. Uh, uh, Dimitri loves both D-line coaches, Jeremy Garrett and Vontrell King-Williams. And I, I wouldn't go as far as to say he's on commit watch or anything because Florida and Miami are heavily involved. Those are the in-state schools. Pittsburgh, Louisville, those are some other ones he named to me. But I think probably a top three of Miami, Florida, and Auburn. It's weird because we just sort of heard his name for the first time, but Auburn's been working on this guy for a little while. And he's really grown in the last year over the summer. So that's the guy they like. That's the guy they're going to keep tracking, and they're going to get in the big cat and see what happens. And, you know, maybe he gets caught up in the emotion of things. You can't ever rule that out. So, uh, and then, of course, you got the two big dogs, yeah, yeah. Marion Franklin from Mississippi and L.J. McCray. And they're going to keep throwing everything they have at, the, at those guys. And I honestly think they have some leeway right now with Marion Franklin. They're going to get him back on campus, as Jeffrey reported. Um, well, around Big Cat Weekend, I don't think he's going to actually be at the event. It's going to be around those dates, though. And it's an overnight trip. So that's a, that's good news if you're working on Marion Franklin. And Auburn's probably running behind maybe Tennessee maybe even Ole Miss at this point, in-state school. Yep. But I think Auburn's moving up. I really do. I agree with you there as well, Cole. I mean, he's a guy that you're going to get back on campus at least two more times, right, because he still has not yet – he's yet to take an official visit to Auburn. Uh, they've locked one, I believe, it's for the Georgia game weekend is when Camaria Franklin is set to visit. He's also going to be coming in for July the 27th, I think, the day yeah. after Marcus Riddick's commitment. Camaria mm-hmm. Franklin will be on campus that day. And then Big Cat weekend, or Big Cat will actually be on July 29th. But big, versatile defensive linemen. And, and look, the, those are two guys, LJ McCray and Camaria Franklin, are dripping with NFL upside, right? Like those are the yeah. two guys in this class. When you look at them, you're like, okay, those are NFL type guys. And so yeah. you got to get one. You'd love to get both. But 
in the back of your mind, if you're Jeremy Garrett, you're like, all right, I got to get one of these. And I feel like they're starting to make their move with both, um, but particularly Camarion Franklin. That's the one I feel like for a long play. He's the one I think we, we have the best inroads with because of Jeremy Garrett's connections to Mississippi, Hugh Freeze's connections to Mississippi, multiple other people on this staff, the need, the value they're going to place on it, the way they're going to recruit it. I just I feel like there's going to be a lot that's going to be thrown into that one, and that's one just just watch. Now he may commit someplace else, and I'm not trying to go all full Harson on you. <laughs> watch the long play on this one because I think that's a guy they're really going to stay on. Well, yeah. I, I, sorry, Zach. I, I think a lot of people think that July 29th, July 30th, whatever, is signing day. It's not. It's not signing day. We got a ways to go, guys. There's going to be guys committed that are going to be back on campus for games. Yes. That are going to who haven't officially visited that probably will. I think the question was asked today about KJ Bolden. Hypothetically, let's say he commits to Georgia. Uh, does he cancel his Auburn official? I'd say he probably does cancel that date, but he'd probably be back for an official later because Auburn's not going to give up on these guys. And now you can take as many official visits as you want. Trust me, there's going to be some officials during the fall. The the official visit season is not completely over. This recruiting class has a ways to go. I just you know I feel like that's a healthy reminder on this. I agree. And you think of just look at last cycle, okay? Look at Keldrick Falk and Kay and Lee. Those are the two, um, and you know Connor Lou as well. Those were the three big flips to me, because while Sylvester Smith was a huge flip. I just always had that feeling if Auburn offered at all, he was going. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, there there wasn't too. put into that one. That was – It's funny, man. I, I've told the story. We are at the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game. The game was over. I had just talked to Keldrick Falk. Mm-hmm. He was one of my main guys I had to get with. And, of course, he was still committed to Florida State at the time, but he, he was willing to talk. He always was. And I appreciate that about Keldrick. Sure. I saw Sylvester Smith standing over there, and I said, eh, I'll go talk to him. We'll see what he has to say. Mm-hmm. I do the interview with him, turn the recording off. He goes, hey, how would you know to ask me about Auburn? <laughs> I said, uh, you like oh, Auburn, don't you? He goes, yeah, but I mean, he said, how do you know they contacted me? I said, I didn't. I had no idea. Just a guess, man, just a guess. Yep. So there you go. But Sylvester was always an Auburn guy. But those were guys that, I'm not going to say proof of concept, but proof that they know how to flip guys when it comes time and guys that may not have had a good first or second visit but were able to come in and close when they needed to. And I think that's what you're going to see, regardless of what L.J. McCray and Camarion Franklin do, along with a handful of others. I think they're going to stay on those all the way to the end. And for those on the corner that want to say, oh, you know, you don't need a season to recruit. Either you know how to do it or you don't. And then they'll compare him to Kirby's first class or or Saban's first class. Yeah. Fair enough, okay? But they also had until December to sign those classes. Or in Saban's case, he had until February to sign that class. So let's get to December before you start to make a rush to judgment on what this staff can or can't do. Because my guess is there's a chance they're going to open, they're going to blow some eyebrows back, come Big Cat weekend with who they're going to have on campus, but maybe some of the moves they're going to make. So I hope everybody will just kind of hang in there to a a degree um, and, and Roll with it for a little bit, and let's see how let's watch this staff cook some. And with that, I think we can talk about some RPMs because some of those guys may mm. just be on campus for uh, Big Cat Weekend. Yeah, yeah. Cole had a great R- RPM rundown. You guys go to Auburn Live right now. Subscribe. 
But, Cole, let's start out with the guy that I feel like every week we get a question about, Demarcus Riddick. You got a pick in for him right now, 60% confidence. Kind of, you left your feeling neutral. Uh, just kind of give us the latest update on, on your thoughts on Demarcus. Yeah, so I, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to go above neutral on him, just to be fair. Um, sure. Making a prediction to Auburn was a leap in itself. Okay. That was something that, honestly, I blame Keith Niebuhr, if we're being honest. There you go. Put it on he, Keith. He talked me into it. He's like, man, I just put one in for Cam Coleman. you got to put a big one in. I was like, all right, well, how about this one? He goes, hold, hold my beer. Watch this, huh? He goes, uh, you know Bama got a prediction for him today. I was like, yeah, I know. Might as well. Might as well. <laughs> so I, I, I threw one in. But, look, here's the reason why I made that pick. I was at Chilton County High School in February. I made a big tour of schools in February. That was dead period. That was the last dead period for recruiting. I figured, you know, this is going to be a key time to go and talk to kids because we, it's just, summer's just going to be a new monster that we're not even uh, we're not even used to this yet. I, I'm new to the game. Even Jeffrey said, a guy who's been covering it for a long time, this is different, man. It's almost like signing day. It feels like signing day. So I went and talked to a bunch of guys. Riddick was one of those guys. I, uh, I have some good relationships with people on the staff over there, and at the time – just got to talking to them, and the feeling was, man, he's really just blown away by Auburn. Mm-hmm. I mean, Josh Aldridge has just – it was something about that junior day visit back in January, I think. And it was like, man, ever since then, he's just been talking Auburn up. I said, okay. I went and talked to him, interviewed him, and uh, everything was positive on Auburn. I was like, you know, I, I had some talks with him afterward, and it just seemed like – He's a guy that could – I just saw him as a guy that could end it with Auburn for two reasons. Number one, he seemed to genuine, genuinely like it and Josh Alders. And number two, I know how bad Josh Alders wants this guy. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was feeling, look, Josh Alders is probably going to be pretty good at this. I just had that feeling. I watched him at, at junior day. He was he was greeting everyone. I just felt like he was going to be a good recruiter. And we talked about that on the show, Jeffrey and I, and Keith when he was here. Yep. That was a guy that – Sort of stood out to us. It looked like he was going the extra mile. He was on the phone the whole time. It just looked like he was doing a great job. Uh, so far, you know, he's nailed down DJ Barber. He was a big reason for Joseph Phillips, and that was huge. Yes. So I put the prediction in for Demarcus Riddick. Now, jump to today, much, a bunch of months later, I still have the pick in. Thought about changing it several times. I'm going to hold with it. I'm just going to have to be wrong on that one, like Jeffrey says. I'm not going to change it. I'm going to stay with Auburn, and I'm neutral on it, meaning I know what Alabama's capable of here. Sure. If they really want him, they've got a great chance to get him, and we know they really want him. Georgia, I think, is fading. He's committed to Georgia. I really believe they're fading. I think they're actually going to make a move on another five-star linebacker, Justin Williams. Yeah. Um, I think that has something to do with them believing that DeMarcus Riddick's heading, heading back to the state of Alabama to one of those schools which has been the field since February, by the way. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm neutral on that one. I, I'm neutral, meaning I like my Auburn pick, but I just I don't have high confidence in it because we know what Alabama's capable of here. I think that's fair, Cole. Hey, look, I think it would be unfair for us to say that Auburn's not truly in this. They absolutely are in this recruitment. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, 
Will we land DeMarcus Riddick in the end? I don't think anybody honestly knows. I think there is some cautious optimism that that could happen. But I think there's also cautious, not even cautious optimism that there's optimism on the Alabama side as well. So we'll just have to see how this all plays out. This is this is the kind of recruitment where you're going to learn, to me, did this staff peg this recruitment accurately? You know what I mean? Have you, do, you know what I mean? Do they know what they're up against? And, yeah. and I think they do. I, I honestly believe they have positioned themselves well in this recruitment. I don't know that they could have done much better to this point than they've done. I absolutely believe that. And I, I honestly believe they are in this. It is 50-50 right now between the two, and I don't know how it's going to turn out. I honestly don't. When I did my mock class about a week ago, I did not have DeMarcus Riddick in the class just because of what you alluded to, Cole, because of what Alabama is capable of. Um, but that's not to say that I haven't heard some very positive things about Auburn. Yeah. And, and I don't want to be disingenuous when I say that, and I'm not trying to lead our subscribers or our followers um, in a direction that, um, just you know, you couldn't. I just couldn't put a prediction on it right now. It's that tight to me. It is literally that tight. I'll tell you another reason I went with that pr- prediction, and, and this is just me reading into things probably a little too far. Sure. Yeah. Updates from him pretty often because I had sources telling me, hey, he really likes Auburn. You know, we could see him ending up there. Yeah. Florida State has done such an awesome job with him, but this kid loves Auburn. I mean, he's – He's a small town guy. He's a guy that that loves the feel of Auburn. I think that's important because w- at some point when you get to the NIL game, everybody's going to be similar on a big time player. Yes, all the offers are going to be very similar, and then it comes down to what it regularly would in recruiting. Hey, do, where do I feel more more comfortable? Who do I like the most? What staff would I want to play for the most? So, yeah, in the case of another small town guy. DeMarcus Riddick, who I'm told loves, you know, his hometown of Clanton, ain't much going on there. No. <laughs> I just I got the feel that he could be an Auburn guy. I agree, Cole. I, That's fair. You got a lot of flack too for that. I remember one of the Falk interviews you did. Everyone was like, "Why is Cole going to talk to Falk? He's going to Florida State. Stop going to interview him." So I I don't blame Cole for sticking with his pick there. Wait, wait a minute, Zach. Are you telling me that we had people that were criticizing us? <laughs> on the board? I don't believe that for a second. No, I'm kidding. No, I mean, yeah, it was, I get it. Because Auburn was not doing well in recruiting at the time, and flipping a guy who said he was 100% to Florida State was out of the question, it seemed like. But yeah. there was also at the at the time, you know, who knows what was going to happen with the coaching staff. Were they going to hire somebody before he signs? And that was in the back of my mind, too. Yeah, But that's not the case here with DeMarcus Riddick. I think he really likes the staff, and they're not going anywhere in his recruitment. No. Shifting to the running back position, someone that everyone seems to feel really good about, Alvin Henderson out of Elba, Alabama. Jay Head, I'll I'll start with you here. What's your thoughts on Alvin right now and where he is in his recruitment? There's been some conflicting information as it pertains to Alvin. Uh, My most recent information was he's going to wait for a little bit. He's going to probably take his time, go through the process, go see places like Oregon, Florida State, Auburn, 
he's going to continue to be patient with it and try to make a decision sometime after his junior year leading into his senior year. So about the time that you see everybody else making commitments sometime between probably March and June of this coming year, so 2024. There obviously was, I think, some legitimate buzz that Alvin could do it much earlier than that. I think he's probably kind of started to make the decision, I need to, to wait a little bit longer. Very good, a very good prospect. Obviously, a place that I'm very familiar with, and I do think it's going to be a shock for him when he comes to the SEC and he's playing against a different caliber of athlete, <laughs> because at that level he can pretty much do whatever he wants. Um, and there's not really anybody in 1A football that's going to be able to to corral him, not unless you're just completely sold out on the run game. So. I think the change in competition will be difficult for him when he does finally make that adjustment. But a kid that's very talented, ranked number eight, I think, in the own three rankings right now as far as in-state players are concerned, so a top ten prospect in the state of Alabama for the 2025 class. And we know that that's going to be a very loaded class at the the, the skill position. You know, what the 2023 class was on the offense and defensive line, the skill position with guys like Alvin Henderson, Ryan Williams, and multiple others – is shaping up to be that way in the 2025 class. So um, it would be important for Auburn to go ahead and lock in a running back if they possibly could in that class. So that way you've just got at least one in each class. You're kind of staggering that exactly the way you want to and constantly replacing pieces. But I don't know that that's going to happen just now. You know, I, I think he's going to wait just a little bit longer. Yeah, I agree with that. I've heard different things on him as well, Jay. I, I mean, there's a, Pretty good chance he goes to Big Cat weekend, but that would also be the weekend he might check out Oregon. Right. Um, So that's, you know, we'll see what happens there. I I think if he shows up to Big Cat weekend, I mean, you can expect the staff to put some pressure on him to maybe join the class. Sure. I don't know if he will. I've heard, you know, during the season could be a time when he makes a decision. Um, Most of all, though, what I hear on Alvin Henderson is that you know, it's probably Auburn's to lose, right? And when we say that, that doesn't mean that Auburn is the leader so much. It just means that uh, it seems like if today we're signing day and he had to make a decision, it's Auburn. So, I would not disagree with that. I yeah. do think Florida State and Oregon are two teams you got to watch. For sure. But it, I, I would think that – I think Auburn's got a lead at this point. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. I think so. Uh, he's one of my RPMs right now. Uh, one of my five RPMs. I have one on him. I feel good about it. Feel good about that pick. Another one that you feel good about. I think you said Auburn's even maybe making a push to get him in the class sooner rather than later. Reese Baker out of Huntsville, a guy who kind of popped up. I feel like he's still not on a whole lot of national recruiting uh, radars right now. He's still kind of a underrated prospect. But Cole, looking at his game, what has made him emerge as such a big target for Auburn? Well, uh, you know, fans look at that and go, ah, oh, the offers. The offers don't look good. I don't mm-hmm. care for that. Coaches look at it and go, I trust my eval skills, and I'm glad people hadn't figured out about this guy yet. So, that being the case, they want him in. They don't want him to wait around and get some more offers. Now, he may want to do that. You know, his camp might look at this and go, well, if Auburn offered me, I'm going to get some bigger offers here down the road. I just got to show out some more my senior season. So it's a battle here, and and you're going, all right, Reese, you know, let's get you in the class. You want to be at Auburn. I think think you, you know, 
have made that pretty clear. You've been down here. You've camped down here. You visited here multiple times. We we kind of stuck our neck out and, and and recruited you before you blew up. Uh, you know, Auburn wants to get him in the class, and I think that will happen sooner than later. I think, you know, he's we I haven't confirmed with him yet, but I think he's going to be at Big Cat Weekend. If that's the case, I would look out for that as a possible day that they could get him in the boat. Shift into the defense side of the ball real quick. Jay, I'm going to toss it to you. Two big targets. Cole's feeling good and then even great about this second one. Jalen Crawford, of course, one of the top defensive back targets. And then Wyatt Simmons is the only guy on this list that Coles feels great about. How big would it be to land both of these guys in this 2024 class? Well, we just, you know, I think with the most recent news of DeMario Tolan obviously leaving the team and the numbers that you have at that position, you realize that Auburn is going to take a at least three linebackers in this class. I think that's what's been reported by Jeffrey is that's, that's the plan as of today to take three. Maybe that's changed even to four now with DeMario Tolan no longer being on the team. But Wyatt Simmons is an athletic guy. He's a versatile guy. He's a guy who's changed direction, and the acceleration with which he's able to change direction is absolutely elite. I mean, there are not a lot of guys that can close like he can. And by, by, by that, I mean closing speed. Because when he makes a determination to get uphill and to uh, explode through a tackle, he absolutely makes an impact. Yep. He's another guy that I'm, I'm interested to see because I believe he's going to have a very big senior season, and I think he's going to play in some all-star games. I think he's going to get picked up for that kind of – for that kind of an honor, and what's he going to do when he gets put against competition that's very similar to him? Because he plays in a league right now that probably is not the best competition in the state of Arkansas. Um, so I'm going to be interested to see what it looks like when he plays against other athletes that are his caliber. But he's a guy that's got a skill set that Josh Aldridge likes. He's got a relationship with Josh Aldridge, and Josh Aldridge has a relationship with his family. Obviously, he played for his father at Harding uh, University. So just a very big target for us in a state that typically doesn't produce a lot of players. But Auburn has really kind of dug their, their toe, put their toe into the state of Arkansas with a guy like Charlie Collins. Um, there was another athlete at wide receiver that we pursued for a little bit. Crutchfield. There you go. Crutchfield. Um, and then obviously Walker White, your quarterback, and then with Wyatt Simmons. So T.J. Lindsay as well. T.J. Lindsay. So five guys out of a state that typically doesn't produce a ton of Division One talent. Um, but those are five of the more talented guys in the Southeast, in my honest opinion. So an extremely good early eval by Josh Aldridge, obviously probably aided by some pretty good intel from his dad, <laughs> if we're being completely honest. Right. Um, and then Jalen Crawford, a guy that has the physical measurables that these guys are looking for, a big physical corner that's got the hips to play on the outside. He's got good enough speed, great length at that position. And that's really, to me, his best asset is the length and the reach that he has and where he's going to make his money as a press man corner. I think that's where he's going to be. He's going to flourish. Good ball skills. And probably, you know, not – he's a great player. But the fact that you're going into Atlanta, into a high school and Parkview High School that turns over talent year over year, that is a fantastic place to get your start, to reassert yourself. Um, with that school and that pipeline of caliber prospect, especially with a guy that you know has the potential to play in the SEC because it's so much easier to sell 
when you are able to develop a guy and he's able to go on either to the NFL to be successful in another part of his career after being successful for you to go back to that high school or that Metro Atlanta South Side area and say, hey, I did it with this guy. I can do it with you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, so just big on all kinds of fronts with him. Yeah, and we know that Atlanta area. The guys are pretty tight-knit over there, seem to be. Uh, I'm pretty sure Jalen Crawford is, is very close with Kay and Lee, who, who signed with Auburn last year and getting ready to be key rotational guy at corner. Uh, somebody asked me, you know, what, what kind of perception does the Jalen Crawford commitment create for Auburn? Um I, you know, I think he's a three-star with all three now, but he is a industry four-star. Yes. I mean, the other services come together and say he's a four-star guy and he averages out that way. Uh, to me, man, I, this this his commitment, it would be similar to me as, as a Carlton Davis back when he committed to Auburn. I think it's that kind of commitment. This is a corner that – I. When you look at Auburn, they don't they haven't always historically landed these top tier DBs, really. A lot of the DBs that Auburn gets were lower rated and they come in and they outplay the ranking. Sure. Happens a lot at Auburn. But a guy like Carlton Davis, even Jamel Dean, who was on the same team, those guys, I mean, look at them now. You know, one of the best cornerback tandems in the NFL, if not the best. Correct. So uh I think Kay and Lee and Jalen Crawford together could could create that same dynamic in Auburn secondary. And I think they know that. I don't disagree with you. He's close with T Love as well. That's another guy from South Side Atlanta. Yeah. And you're right, Cole. Just creating getting reasserting ourselves in Atlanta, because there was a while where we just did not recruit that area very right. well. For for whatever the reason, we just weren't either putting the emphasis on it or it just didn't work out for us. I'm not exactly sure why, but an area like the Metro Atlanta area, you have got to have a presence. If you're Auburn, it's two hours down the road, all kinds of kids that are there that you can go get from all different positions. Um, And you're right. He is a highly, he's a highly regarded guy. He's an industry wide four star uh, top two fifty type player. Yep. Those are the kind of players you want more often than not on your team. Yep. Um, and I do think there is the potential contingent on how Jalen Crawford performs his senior year and how he does in the All-Star games thereafter for his own three ranking to change again. Sure. Our national director, I think Charles Power, came out and said there are going to be at least two more uh, series of rankings that are going to come out. So yep. what has happened is not necessarily the way it's going to be on National Signing Day or even shortly thereafter when they do their last set of rankings. So – Understand that this is still a very good player for anybody that's maybe potentially upset at the fact that Jalen Crawford's own three ranking dropped to a three-star. These coaches don't look at that. They're looking at the teams they're going up against and saying, okay, LSU wants this kid. Florida wants this kid. He's an SEC caliber athlete. He's an SEC caliber defensive back. We want him on our team. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you look at the star ranking. Like, I think one of you guys said a few shows back, it's not really the stars. It's like you said, who you beat. Because LSU and Florida – 
historically, yeah. if they're recruiting a kid a defensive back, the kid's got a lot of potential because th- both of those programs have developed multiple NFL stars over even the past five seasons. Yeah. Okay. Both of, yeah, you're right. Both of those schools are as good as it gets in the secondary. And then Clemson was his other school. Yeah. So, I mean, look, you know, you really can't beat out much better. And I'll tell you what, um, I wouldn't rule out, you know, depending on how things play out with Alabama and Georgia and their secondaries, that's the guy they could give a look to. I, he's he's in line to get a look from those schools too. So if Auburn is able to land him, getting him in the boat early, very important. Yeah, but before we get to the questions for the corner, we had over 20 submissions today, a great turnout. We do have a new sponsor for the show in Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs stretch khaki shorts are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They do the exact same thing as Lululemon, but fit, fit way better. They fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. Go to birddogs.com, promo code Auburn, or enter the promo code Auburn for a free Yeti-style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash Auburn or promo code Auburn for a free Yeti-style tumbler. You won't want to take Bird Dogs off, we promise you. <laughs> but to get to the questions from the corner, we guys we guys touched on this guy earlier, D-Lyman from Florida. Auburn's kind of back into this recruitment. But the main question is, is there a former Auburn player that you would cop him to? Hmm. You know, uh, well, number one, uh, where he is on the board, I think he's definitely surged on the board. He is the guy that I think they would take, right? I really do. I think if he if he goes to Big Cat Weekend, he goes, you know, Coach, I want to commit. I think they go, welcome. I don't think they'd turn him away and go, nah, I'm not ready to take you yet. They'd go, yes, we want you. So I, I think that's where he he stands with Auburn. Uh, as far as a comp, I don't know, man. That's tough. I I've watched him a couple times now. Still have not seen him in person yet. And that helps because when I saw Malik Blockton in person, you know, when he had shaped up some and gotten bigger, I go Andrew Williams. That's who he reminds me of. Got that got that big lower body. So with him, man, I don't know. He's listed at two sixty on three. I think he's a little bit bigger than that now. Mm-hmm. I think he's in the two eighty range. Maybe this is a uh, you know a Dontavious Russell type of guy. Maybe this is a guy that you know plays inside maybe more towards the nose. Eventually, he grows into a nose. Uh, something like that. Uh, I think of other guys. Maybe like Ben Bradley. That's a name that comes to mind. Yeah. Gabe Wright, right? These kind of guys. That's what I'm thinking with with Nicholas. I think those are probably, you know, I I hate making comps sometimes because typically speaking, your mind always wants to gravitate towards somebody that's been successful, right? Yeah, right. Nobody wants to pick the dude that came to Auburn and sat on the bench for four years and never did anything, you know? Yeah, and if you say Bo Jackson, nobody ever let you live that down, right? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. I, I can remember it saying that Zeke Walker was going to be a player, and I can't even remember who I comped him to. And, you know, two years went by, and the performance has not been exactly where Zeke wanted it to be. I think he's got a chance to be this year. Sure. But got my ass handed to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, it happens, man. It happens. But definitely interior guy. I, I'm with you on that, Cole. He's purely an interior player. He's not a guy that's going to flash outside. But he doesn't need to when you've got that kind of power. 
And yeah. you can see it. You can see the power and you can see the short area quickness that he plays with. Yeah. And I was going to say this earlier. When you think about Pittsburgh, you don't really think about the upper echelon talent, right? Except for when you look at the success that they've had on the defensive line, specifically as it pertains to the NFL draft. Sure Charlie Partridge is one of the best defensive line coaches in all of college football. He has done it at a long, for a long time at an extremely high level. He's recruited that South Florida area at an extremely high clip. I think he's actually from Halea or something of that nature, somewhere down in South Florida. But if he's got a solid eval, and then you've also got offers from Miami and several other Florida, Florida, Florida themselves, and I think their defensive line coach, uh, it was in the NFL for a, for a couple of years. Yeah. Spencer is his last name, Spencer. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Formerly of James Franklin's staff at the Pitt State. Yeah. But um, I like what they're looking at. You know, I don't know. If he's a, I don't know if he's a take, but I don't know that he's not either. He, you know, he's just his recruitment's so new to me. Yeah. He's not new to them, but it's new to me for me to be able to wrap my head around him committing. But I'd be hard pressed to say no. You want to take three to four guys in this class, right? I think yeah. that's the number. He would make number two, and then you're able to center in on, you know, I mean, two more big dogs. Right. So Bruce's five stars wants to know if you if you guys both had a million dollars of NIL to deploy, how would you allocate it by positional group? It's well, a good question. Default answer is lines of scrimmage, right? Yes. Yeah. But you know, we've talked about it several times. You look at this class, neither. Uh, the defensive or offensive lines are particularly strong in this class. No. So let's just let's just play to this class right now. If, if I'm looking at this class, obviously, um, and, and where Auburn's needs are, receiver is where I would go, and and I would go. Uh, you know, I, I'd probably throw a lot of money at the offensive linemen around the country, just like they're doing, like DeAndre Carter, mm-hmm. like they did with. Preston Talmua, they they you know went after him pretty hard. Uh, seems to be trending away from him right now, but you're going to miss on some of these guys that are way out there. It's just part of it. I mean, that's just how it's going to go. You have the transfer portal now to fall back on, and we know that they handled that pretty well the first time around. And that's that's where a lot of NIL gets concentrated too in the transfer portal. So it's it's that is a good question. I haven't really thought about that. I would go lines of scrimmage though if I'm just thinking positions. For me, I think I probably wouldn't worry so much about position groups, but I would outline the top five to seven players on my board, whoever they were. And I would say, okay, position coach X, if I can get this guy and it's going to cost me this, is he worth it? Does does he impact us one to two wins this time next year? And I think that's how I would go about it. I would go about not necessarily by position, but impact players. Who can we get? Who's NIL important to? Who do, Who is it that we need to lock in? And with that, I'm with you, Cole. It's probably two guys that I'm going to put a lot of NIL money into right now, and it's Perry Thompson and Mr. Marcus Riddick. Yes. Those are the two guys to me right now where I would put my NIL dollar. I would invest in those outright because of the statement they create in this state and the importance that it's going to create for you because great players want to play with other great players, right? Yep. And that would be a that would be two signature rules for Auburn saying great players can come here. 
Yep. Beyond that, I'm with you. DeAndre Carter's a big one. I would do what it took from an offensive line standpoint, probably to lock him in. And then LJ McCray or Camarion Franklin. Those would be yeah. two guys that I would be in heavy consideration to, like, okay, what's it going to take from an NIL standpoint to make sure that we're competitive and or a little bit above what your other bids are? Because, like you said, impact players in the line of scrimmage in a class where there's not a ton of them, if you can walk away with one, you feel a lot better about it. Yeah. So I think outlining those five guys and saying, what's it going to take? How do I need to divide my money up? Um, do what it takes to get these players. That's probably how I would allocate my NL funds. Yeah, I think line of scrimmage should be a consensus, regardless of any team. Like, you've got to yeah. land offensive linemen, and, and especially edge rushers in today's oh, college yeah. football. You better have an elite, elite edge rusher landed. But Albies 8 has a good question. Does DeMarion Tolan's exit from the team impact Auburn's chances with DeMarcus Riddick? I don't think so. Yeah, uh, I don't either. I don't think it makes a big difference. I, I, obviously, to, I, I don't think Auburn knew Tolan wouldn't be with the team, but they probably had an, you know, an inkling, an idea that there was a chance. Uh, so they've been going after three to four linebackers the whole time. You know, there's probably a reason why they they expected some attrition there, probably. I think that's fair, Cole. And, and what I would say is that the way they've recruited DeMarcus Riddick, they've told him he can be an impact player from day one. We will give you every opportunity to get onto the field. Now, you've got to earn it. There are no, there, There's nothing given in this program. But you've got the opportunity to come in here from day one and be an impact player. And so I don't think that he's necessarily worried about DeMario Tolan. Um, maybe it helps you in your pitch at the total number or the health of the position. But I don't think he's overly – guys like him, they're just wired differently, man. They they think they're going to come in and play over whoever's yeah. will care. And and people are telling them that too, by the way. I yeah. think everybody's pitch on him is pretty similar. So nobody's really saying, well, you'll have a better opportunity here because everybody's saying you've got an opportunity to play. You're that good. Exactly. Yeah. Going to Augustus McCray's question, taking out the three Heisman winners, Pat, Bowen, Cam, who would be the all-time starting skill players for you guys in Auburn history? You get one QB, two running backs, two wide receivers, and a tight end. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Taking three Heisman winners out, who would be awesome? QB one, two, two wide receivers. All right, I got it. Go first. (laughs) Go ahead. Yeah, you got it that quick. Um, I'm going to go with Damian Craig at quarterback um, just because of what he was able to accomplish at Auburn. And to me, it comes down between him and J.K.M. Those are the yeah, two. Yeah. Now, you've got some guys that played underneath Pat Dye that obviously could could really throw it. But you're talking about J.K.M., a guy that played in the NFL for a long time um, and was the number one or maybe the number – yeah, I think he was the one who still had dual threat. And pocket passers, I think he was the number one dual threat quarterback in the country coming out of Taylorville's Mississippi his senior year. Obviously, Damian Craig um, and his highlight reel <laughs> tape coming out of, I think it was Blunt High School here in the Mobile area um, and everything that he did at Auburn. I'm going to go with Craig because of what he did on the field at Auburn. Uh, two running backs. All right, I'm going to go with Carnell Cadillac Williams as one. Yeah. Um, and I'm going to go with, 
I'm pulling the name right now because he's from the 80s. Absolutely fantastic football running back. Lionel James? No, not Lionel James. Brent Fullwood? Yes, Brent Fullwood. There you go. Brent Fullwood's my second. Okay. Uh, two wide receivers. How can you not go with Frank Sanders as one with everything mm-hmm. that he accomplished at Auburn and then doing it in the NFL for an extremely long time? Yep. Um, it's tough. Out, re- receivers <laughs> are tough, man. Yeah, they are. Let's go Darius Slayton on the other side. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. wow. Um, and then tight end. Mm, I got a tight end. Yeah, got, I, that was my for. Yeah, I got a tight end. Okay, Cooper Wallace is my pick. Zach, I had C C J. Oh yeah, C J. Yeah, good pick. Good pick. I'll go with Philip Lux and Kirk. Oh, that's a great. Oh, that yeah, that's, that, that's a. All right, I'll go with Jason Campbell at QB. Okay. My running backs are going to be – that's tough because there's a lot of good ones, man. I did a top ten the other day. I didn't post it, but I was getting ready to. And I want to try to I want to try to be different than you here. Okay. So I'm not going to go with Cadillac. I'll go with Ronnie Brown. Okay. And then I'm going to go with Trey Mason. Okay. okay. That that 2013 season was something else, man. Mm. So let me, let me go with Trey. And then receivers – my mind keeps going to Courtney Taylor. I like that pick. I like Courtney Taylor, man. I, I go to him, and I'm thinking, and there's a guy I was thinking of. He was number five, late 90s, I guess. Help mm-hmm. me out here, J-Head. This is your territory. Late. Ben, ben Leard was the quarterback, who I believe. Oh. He was number five. Was it Bailey? Was that his last name? Um. No. Talking about Karsten Bailey at wide receiver? Karsten Bailey. Yeah, he was a good one. Let me go with Karsten Bailey. And then Cooper Wallace at tight end. Mm. I like J-Head's pick of Damien just because I feel like in today's age of college football, just imagine how he would fit into some of the offensive schemes that are now dominating college football. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I like that pick. And for running back, I think an underrated one just because he was one of my favorite growing up. And Kenny Irons – yeah, yep. I thought about Kenny. <laughs> Man, he, he, the explosiveness was just off the chart. And I, I think I got to go with either Cad, got to go Cadillac with the other running back spot. I, I yep. don't think that's a consensus. Yep. I'm going to change my second running back. As much as I love Brent Fullwood, and my dad is going to kill me for this, I'm going <laughs> to switch it to Stephen Davis. Oh, oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Hmm. Mm. But barn so hard. Any thoughts on the Ryan Williams smoke? You know, you know, I checked on him. Um, I, ch- I checked on that, and if he was going to be a big cat, and, and from what I could tell, there was not a clear answer yet mm-hmm. on whether he's going to be there or not. Um, my feeling on this one has been Auburn slipping. That's just been my feeling on it. I don't know if I'm right. I haven't been able to put as much time and effort into him as I have with other guys as far as trying to get a feel for it. So I could be way off on that. Um, but I just feel like Auburn's slipping and Bama's holding strong there. That's, that's fair. Looking at this next one, will the 10, 
How big of a difference do you guys believe high school classifications make with player development? So the question is, do you think it would help a player if they, instead of playing at a one or two A school, played at Thompson or Hoover or a school? Does that better prepare them to make an impact at the collegiate level? Yep. I don't think it hurts. Certainly doesn't hurt. That's why a lot of these Texas guys, they, they get these higher rankings sometimes. Now, you you could use that argument against some of these Texas guys who go to college and then they're peaked out. Some of them are peaked out. They just didn't – the ceiling wasn't up there. Yeah. I, I'll use a guy, you know, just first one that comes to my head is O.J. Howard, who played in the AISA, okay, Atauga Academy. It doesn't get any lower than that. That's 1A AISA. It does not get any lower than that in high school football in Alabama. That's the lowest. Yeah, you're paying, you're playing Pike Leo. You know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. You're playing where I went to school. That's how low it is, right? <laughs> so, but he was a guy that you looked at him and went, okay, I don't care what, you know, what classification he's playing in. That is an all-star one day. And he was. He was excellent in college. And he made everybody look silly on that level. But you go, it doesn't matter. I, I see the tools. I see the traits. He's got all that stuff. And it, and it, you almost, when you're, when I look at film, when it's guys that are in those smaller classifications, I just, I pretend like they're running routes on air or they're, they're just doing drills. No offense to the guys they're playing against, but you look at it as what are their tools? What are their traits? Do they have it? Are they able to do well in this area? A guy like OJ Howard, again, that, that's just a guy that did that on that level. Sometimes on that on a higher level, these guys are so football smart, especially in Texas. It, it looks good on paper; everything looks good. You get them, to, you get them there, and their athletic ceiling is is reached, and they just can't get any better. It happens, so it goes both ways. I think. I agree, Cole. Um, I, I do think you worry sometimes when these kids go to football factories, and you mentioned Texas high school football, where these kids are a little bit overproduced somewhat. Uh, that's what you don't want to have happen. You do want some upside, and that's why there are states like Mississippi where there's real value in recruiting some of these raw athletes yeah. that run out year in and year out. Um, yes, there's value because you get exposure that you're not going to get at some of these small schools. You're going to have access to weight rooms and coaching staffs that you wouldn't have access to otherwise. But I, I, I'm with you, Cole. You just you do want to walk that fine line of not being the guy that peaks too early, a guy that was, you know, so developed so early that everybody else, when they start to catch up and they make their move, they're leaving you yep. all behind. Right. And a guy that I'm thinking about right now is the um, the cornerback out of the Atlanta area. I'm trying to think of his name. He was a major target for us at one point last year. The nation. Oh yeah. The kid was a big target, you know, for two years, and then he never really grew beyond 5'10", kind of was on the smallest side. Yeah. Uh, and just, you know, it, it never really matched that early hype for him when everybody else started to develop. And by comparison, a guy that, um, you know, a late bloomer that was, considered, that was committed to Arkansas State ended up being a much better prospect than a guy that we ended up signing. Right. Tyler yeah. Scott. Yeah. Another good That's example right. is um, – uh, A.J. Harris that was at – he signed with Georgia. He was at Glenwood Academy. Yes. And that's where he made his name. Of course, he was at camps and stuff, you know, showing out. But then he moves over to Central and shows out there. So it doesn't always matter. It, it, sometimes it doesn't matter. 
if the player's good, he's good. If you can play ball, you can play ball. He moves, he makes his impression on the big stage, and, you know, Georgia swoops in. So that kind of stuff happens a lot. I agree. I, I think I think there's a guy on this cycle, too. If Correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm not mistaken, the Terry Bussey guy, he plays like yeah. two-way football in Texas, was on no one's radar, had that ridiculous season last year, and now, what, he's a top yeah. 20 prospect? He's a five-star with on three, if I'm not mistaken. Complete freak show. Video yeah, game numbers. He came out of nowhere, and he plays two-way football, and I think that's like what you're talking about is if you got that type of skill, yeah. it, does, it doesn't matter where you play. Like, they're coming to find you. Exactly. Yeah, because that's NFL talent, right? Yeah. But what you worry about is when you have, like, you're trying to make a decision and you're an evaluator, you're a recruiter, right? Is this guy just college good? Is he just, like, high school polished? Right. Or is he really that good? You know what I mean? And sometimes I think it's hard to delineate in between the two when they play at some of these larger schools. Right. Um, I think that's it's really clear at some of these smaller schools, like, all right, if you're NFL good, you're NFL good. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Logan Adams coming in. He said, I love to hear as a group who you would think will be the offensive and defensive lineman in this 2024 class on signing day. Hmm. Okay. I like it. Uh, uh, okay. Two names that pop in my head first for offensive line are going to be DeAndre Carter and Reese Baker. Yes. I like yeah. where things are trending with both of those guys. Obviously, they're going to probably get more than that. Three to four is what I think. Um. But those are the the really the only clear cut guys I can think of on the offensive line. You got offensive line, Jayhead. I'm gonna go those same two, and then I'm gonna go Jamison Riggs because I don't think oh. I don't think we're done there just yet. I, I mean, look, I wouldn't predict him to Auburn today, but that's a name to me that we're still battling for, and that we've made you know we've made it known to him that he's an important target to us. And so yeah. I'm I'm gonna stick my neck out on that one. And then I'm going to call it a JUCO offensive tackle to be named later because okay. I do think we're going to dip our toe into the junior college market. Um, I think you need a guy to pair with Garner, Garner Langlo um, mm-hmm. in that class to kind of level out some of what has been done. I don't have a name just yet because the only junior college lineman that we've offered is Markel Bell. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure where he sits for the staff in this class. I know he was a priority in the previous class, but now I think you're going to put his tape up against other junior college offensive linemen that you get to scout this fall. And we'll see how that all shakes out. So defensive line, I, I'm thinking obviously Malik Blockton. Yes. I think T.J. Lindsey. Yes. And uh, I'll go with Demetri Nicholas. And then uh, you're swinging for the fences. I, I mean, as much as you possibly can for L.J. McCray or Camarion Franklin. And, and if we're just making predictions today, I say you get one of those guys. I do. I in my mock class, I had Camarion Franklin in there, and I'm going to agree with you, Cole. I'm going to go Camarion Franklin, obviously Malik Blockton, and I'm going to go T.J. Lindsay. I don't know enough about uh, the other young man just yet. You know, I'm going to be interested to see how that big cat visit goes. That, to me, like the intel going into that, like leading into it for a couple of days before, and what we hear the day of will really kind of drive that thought to me. Yeah. But I'm with you, Cole. I mean, I think he's definitely a possibility for sure, if not a probability. Right. This is a good follow-up, too, because you said bringing in offensive linemen, will a 6'3 tackle get us two years with Dylan Wade, or do you think he's athletic enough to be a one-and-done and get drafted as a tackle guard swing prospect? One-and-done. I think he's a one-and-done. I do, too. I, I really do. I think good. he's so good. I do, too. I do, too. I, I'll tell you this, uh, just from folks that I've talked to at Auburn when I was up there for camp, 
and uh, I have talked to Dylan Wade personally. Um, sounds like that was, even though Philip Montgomery was involved and he coached him at Tulsa, sounds like Wade was their number one tackle in the portal. Yeah. And I think their number one guard was Emmanuel Pregnon, who ended up going to USC. Um, so you missed on him, but you grabbed your number one tackle in Dylan Wade. And it, just seeing him, man, he looks a little bit more like a guard than a tackle. But for this offense, if you're finessing them and you're doing RPO type stuff, he's perfect at tackle. And, and he may not play tackle in the NFL, but I think he's he's a uh, probably an early day two guy in the NFL next year. You know, I just don't know what the grade is going to be back coming on. I'm with you. I think he is going to be very good for Auburn, and specifically in that offense. How do NFL front office guys see him um, as his skill set translates in this offense to a pro offense? I don't know. Is he going to come back with a fourth-round grade? Is he going to come back with a day-two grade? Yeah. That's going to tell the tape because, to me, if he comes back with a fourth-round grade, fourth grade, I think Auburn can pay up enough NIL to at least get his attention to say, okay, why don't you come back yeah. one more year, up your stock, and get yourself some more guaranteed money and be a day two or even a day one type guy? Um, but if he comes back with a day two type grade, Cole, you're right. He's gone. You, like, you, you can't get a, a day two grade and stay. Like, that's just insanity. Well, also, I, don't, I don't think you move these days. You don't take a move, like, from Tulsa to Auburn if you're not thinking, you know, yeah. NFL. Yeah. You know what I mean? No, it's, it's definitely on, the, on, on his mind, that's for sure. The question yeah. is, where do they see him at the end of the year? Do yeah. I think he's good enough? Yes. Do I know that right. NFL general managers and front office personnel see him the same way I do? I don't. And I'm going to be interested to see how that evaluation goes. Right. also think at today's age of college football, because back, I, I think if you go back 10 years ago, if you have like a, a swing prospect like that, it hurts their draft stock. Nowadays, you see guys going in the first round mm-hmm. that it doesn't even really matter where you played in college. If they can see you playing guard, center, because there was people, guys at the senior bowl with first, second round grades who played tackle, guard, center, and the scouts are just like, man, we would love to have the versatility, whether yeah. it's injury, whether it's versatility in the scheme. So I actually think Wade's ability to play multiple positions, he looks like a guard, has experience to tackle, could actually help him because you see yeah. that a lot more in NFL draft circles nowadays. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the condensed NFL roster, I think you only get to carry 53 men. <laughs> You know what I mean? On your active roster, you have to have versatility amongst your offensive line because you're only able to carry it too deep. It's not like college teams where you're, you know, 15, 16 guys on scholarship. You're literally 10 guys on the offensive line, and that's what you've got. So to have a guy that can play guard, who can play tackle, who might even be able to play center in a pinch, that, that, that brings a lot of value to your team. So moving on to Austin's question, if Media Day was able to bring three coaches rather than players, who would be the three Auburn coaches you would want to speak to? And only one of the choices can be Caddy or Zach. You can't have both, apparently, in your answer. I don't want to talk to either. I'm going to be honest with you on that one, man. I love both those guys, but they're not the most interesting interview, right? I think Ben Agamawa is one I would definitely want to talk to. I like his whole – I like his vibe, man. I really like – I like his recruiting style. He's he's one of them for me. I'm going to go Wes McGriff because I think oh, yeah. it's a fantastic interview. Yeah. Um, Wes knows what he's doing. He's done it for a long time. I get a laugh every time I hear Top Shelf. I mean, every time. Um, Josh Aldridge, 
because yep. I'm interested. He's a guy who's a young, defensive-minded coach. I think he's going to be a defensive coordinator sooner rather than later um, at the Power Five level, and I'd be interested to hear what he had to say. Um, and Marcus Davis, hmm. I think I think he's a guy that is going to really be a star when it's all said and done in the coaching profession. I think he's a guy that gets it. He understands it, not just from a recruiting standpoint, from a coaching standpoint. High IQ player. Um, I think he's got head coach type potential someday. Now he's obviously a a long way away from that, right? Um, A long way away from that at the very front end of his career. But I would be very interested to hear what he had to say. But, that's not a knock on Zach or Caddy. I, I think both of them are phenomenal at what they do. Zach's just always kind of guarded when he talks somewhat. Yeah. Um, That's and, true. And now, I, I, let me walk that back some. Cadillac was fantastic in the interviews he gave as a head coach. Yeah, he was. He, he, it was really refreshing what he had to say. I'm probably going more off my past history of watching his interviews, just talking about the running backs than I am what he was doing as a head coach. So maybe that was an unfair statement. I have to throw Jeremy Garrett in there. I, I think Ooh, I would want yeah. to talk to him. Nope, that's one of mine. For yeah, sure. he would be on my list. And I, I like the Marcus Davis pick too. That would be probably my number two. But shifting to our final question, W. Tidwell, who are your top three muskets in this recruiting cycle? You cannot say Perry Thompson, Demarcus Riddick, or keeping Walker White in the class. Well, damn. <laughs> I mean, so he said, hey, your, your top three muskets without your top three muskets. So your top okay. four, five, and six. That's easy for me. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm with there with you, Cole. You go ahead, and then I'll follow up. That's that's going to be um, K.J. Bolden. Yep. Camarion Franklin. Yep. And DeAndre Carter. You just got all three of mine. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you take those two off the ta- off the top, not much left. And look. I'll tell you this, to just be a little bit different, I'll take any one of those three big safeties, KJ, Saquon Patterson. You stole mine on that one. Yeah. I was going to go Patterson. I, I like that kid. Yeah, I you, think yeah. he is. I've been on him for a while. Like, I think that kid has the potential to be something special. He does. He's as a boundary player. safety. Whew. Yeah, I, he's a he's really good player. I would not want to be a slot receiver coming over the middle. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> but man, to end the show, any how batches this week for either one of y'all? Hmm. Yeah, I was <laughs> honestly I was thinking about giving a couple to uh, <laughs> Bill Brasky and Gorgeous Borges. God, uh, <laughs> <Blind> man, <laughs> just you know, you know, just to recognize their game. We know they got a game going on. Recognize the game. I got you. Hey, you know. You got a stick. Yeah. I got on Gorgeous Borges today because he tried to act like something was positive. No, no. That's not you, brother. Calm down. Let's go back to our game, please. So, yeah, let's go with those two. And then, um, you know, I, I, I gotta, I gotta go back to, uh, I gotta go back to Logan Adams too, man. He's, he's been, he's been a good, good poster these past couple of weeks and he's gotten one, I think, three weeks in a row from yeah. me. Jay Head. Yeah, I'm going to go with Coach Jay in Atlanta. Uh, Very good. Very good. We uh, love him as a poster, um, but we swapped some information that was uh, really good for me to catch, or really good for me to uh, to swap with him. Uh, I'm going to go. There's one other that I saw on the board. 
that just had me rolling, man. I think it was Coochie. Uh, yeah, it. yeah it, 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 there were some comments he made this week that literally had me fall out of my seat. And I will say this, because I don't believe the story's true, but anybody that came up with hashtag Grand Theft Potato, I literally died when I saw that coming across Twitter, dude. <laughs> I literally died when I saw Grand Theft Potato. Once again, I don't believe the story is true about Coach Harson, but whoever came up with that, how about you? <laughs> throw in uh, throw in Eli Double Lot for me as well, Zach. Oh yeah, man, he he. I think he's one of the first ones to always submit a question. He didn't have to get it this week because he. I think his question literally was the topic of the recruiting show, so it would have been doubled up. But can, can we all give like a collective? How about you to Jeffrey Lee? Yeah, I don't think he's ever oh, got yeah. one because he's always giving them out. But he deserves one th- this week, man. Getting married, taking taking his vacation down there in Hawaii. He definitely deserves one. Give him yeah. give him a times three. That's yeah, times three. Times three for sure. Jeffrey, you outkicked your coverage. We missed you here. <laughs> um, we'll welcome you when you get back with that beautiful red tan you're going to have because I guarantee you're going to look like a lobster. But that that head going to be peeling in it. Yeah, I'm telling yeah. you, man, I love you, brother. Congratulations on it, man. Um, you know, I hope you guys are having a really good time down there. Absolutely. Congrats. For sure. But, guys, make sure to tune in Sunday night. Cole, Jay Head, myself, we're back with the call-in show. I know we took a week off, and some it threw some people off. But, listen, we're back taking all your calls. I'm sure there's a lot of topics you guys want to address. Make sure to go subscribe to Auburn Live on 3. And, man, we'll be back Sunday. But for Jay Head, for Cole, and for myself, we're out for right now.